I can testify to what Jerry said that the potatoes are no joke. We had to load 300 pounds of potatoes into a few few vehicles this week. Uh, there are at least 30 pa- uh, 30 cans, the large cans of green beans on the table in here, 30 cans of corn in here on the table. And uh, this is my first time to be a part of this good work, but many of you have done it before. But we are looking forward to being a part of that on Saturday. And while other congregations certainly jump in and help, and we're excited about that, uh, this congregation and taking the lead in that through and with Missy, uh, really look forward to working with a good effort on Saturday, encouraging those in the downtown area. So by all means, please find a way that you can help. If you can't be there on Saturday, then find a time this week, Friday night, uh, whenever you can to help as that good work begins to go on, and we look forward to encouraging those folks. And as has been said many times already, actually really encouraging ourselves by the work that we do there. It is the week of Thanksgiving, and we would tell you right now, Happy Thanksgiving. This is usually our largest largest crowd. We may not see some of you again, but of course we would invite you back this evening at 6 o'clock as we meet to worship again. We will be continuing with another lesson in our Lost in the Credit series. And we want you to be a part of that tonight as well. Certainly, we will have our regularly scheduled classes on Wednesday night. Some of you will be gone. My family will be gone. So for some of you, we may not see you again. We'll see you next Sunday, God willing. But uh, we want you to be here. Some will be gone. Some will be in town visiting family. And so look forward to good services on Wednesday. We want to take a moment and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving week, so most of the time the preacher pulls out his thankful lesson and polishes it off and presents it. But as many of you have gotten a peek already at the bulletin, I've chosen to go a different route today. It is that time of year also, though, that we tend to indulge ourselves a little more in the food. Certainly this week, but even around the Christmas holiday, we partake until we can't partake anymore, and that's enjoyable. Certainly here in the South, we enjoy our food and the good food that our mothers and grandmothers and family members make. But what's interesting, of course, is by the time this holiday is over and and in a couple of weeks, we're going to turn the calendar and we're going to be looking at at making changes in the way that we eat, possibly. Of course, trying to eat better and be healthier is important as well. And in this country where we do a lot of eating many times, when you look to making a change, a lot of times there's a lot of help that you can find when it comes to doing just that. When it comes to trying to eat better and looking towards the new year, you can many times find help with that. My slides aren't working, Brian. Am I doing something wrong? Let me turn this off and back on real quick. Pardon me for just a moment here. And if you've not already done so in your Bibles, you can be turning to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to come there in just a moment. When we think about this country and the way that we are thankful for many things, uh, a lot of times it has to do, and we think, we think about the way that we eat sometimes, we are thankful for the opportunities that we have for taking care of ourselves in a better way as well. You may have to advance for me, Brian. He's working on it there. When we think about these kinds of things, and we think about the way that we can be encouraged ourselves, and we think about the encouragement that we have to eat healthier, a lot of times we try to diet. All right, That's the way that we will go through it. A lot of times we try to go through with it and we try to diet. We think about losing weight. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we see the particular words here written by the writer of Hebrews, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore, we also... 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you notice it right there at the beginning of verse number one, or in the middle of verse number one there, we are told to lay aside every weight. That's right, the Bible talks about losing weight. The Bible talks about a lot of things sometimes that we're not too uh, keen on, some things a lot of times that we don't necessarily enjoy doing. But one thing that it does tell us to do is that we are to lay aside every weight. If you notice in your bulletin there, along with those lines, we have two commands and two guides that help us along with that. We read about those in these verses here, the two commands and the two guides that would help us lose the weight. But you would notice as well this morning that losing weight is something that the Bible tells us to do. When we think about losing weight and we think about the Bible telling us to do that, a lot of us would say, seriously? You think that the Bible tells us to lose weight, but when we think about what the Bible tells us in this regard of losing weight here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we're putting it in context of the way that we normally think about losing weight. A lot of times we set a a finish for us. We set a, a goal for ourselves. We put losing weight in the category of exercise, and we think about this idea of reaching the finish line, reaching the goal trying to lose the weight. And you would notice, first of all, this morning, next slide, please. If you would notice, first of all, this morning, when our two commands or two encouragements that we find there in verse number one, we are to lay aside every weight. We are to lay aside every weight because that's exactly what the Bible tells us that we must do. Now, of course, when the writer of Hebrews here is telling us that we are to lay aside every weight, He's not actually talking about the pounds that we put on sometimes around Thanksgiving or Christmas, but he's talking about losing the weight of sin, losing the weight of sin. And even as the Bible goes on to tell us there in verse number one, the sin which so easily ensnares us. That's what we're talking about when we talk about losing weight. It makes for sort of a a funny comment, if you will, or an interesting idea for a sermon But we are to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us or besets us. We think about the words in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 where Paul is writing there and he uses some of the same terminology. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off or lay aside to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Now we notice sometimes in the list that Paul gives us that there are sometimes things that we say, well, that's not me. I'm not a murderer. Uh, I don't do some of those other things that Paul lists sometimes. But, But I think this list here maybe hits home a little more for us. Laying aside or putting off all of these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language. And again, when it comes to the weight that we have, we think about losing a good bit of weight, that sounds like a good bit of weight to me. To think about putting off all of these things. Now these things may be something that you struggle with, maybe one, maybe more, but it's something that we must set aside. 
So we're not talking about losing the pounds. We're not talking about losing weight physically in our bodies. Instead, we're talking about losing the things of this world. Again, we think about Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not talking about pounds that the doctor might can tell, or friends or family might be able to tell. We're talking about losing the things of this world. We're talking about the multiple passages where Paul talks about putting off the old man. We think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We've studied this already this year. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I kind of try to grab your attention with the headline there and the title. And pretty early here in the lesson, we're going to admit we're not talking about the losing the weight that we might put on during the holiday season. We're talking about losing the weight of this world, of the old man, of the sin that besets us all the time. Paul gave us a few words there in Colossians chapter 3 that may not be what's bothering you. That may not be the weight that you have trouble putting off. But we are to lay aside every weight. As we think about turning the calendar in the new year and the things that we would try to do, the, the, the things that we would try to set, the goals we would try to set for our life, the, the resolutions that we would try to follow, we ask this question, is it easy? Is it ever easy when we sometimes try to lose weight in our lives? And the answer a lot of times is absolutely not. We struggle with that sometimes in our life, laying aside the physical weight. And I would submit to you that this morning it's just as hard sometimes to lay aside the weight that the Hebrew writer is talking about here. To lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. But maybe that's not the question. Is it easy? Absolutely it is not easy. But maybe the question that we should answer a little better this morning is, is it worth it? It's not easy, but is it worth it? It's worth every penny. When we think about the sin in our lives, when we think about serving God, you know, when we think about turning the corner in the new year and trying to be healthier, we put up pictures sometimes like these, and we say, that's what I want. That's the way I want to look. That's, that's the way that I, that's the weight I want to lose. This is, might be what I desire in my life. Is that what you want? What does it take to get there? Is it easy? Probably not, but is it worth it? Absolutely. But again, maybe this is not the picture. Is this what you desire? Then what does it take to get there? How hard is it and is it worth it? And again, it's worth every penny, it's worth every dime, it's worth every moment spent in service to God in loving your brothers and sisters and those in this community and those in this world. It's worth every moment you can spend doing those things. Do you want to look better maybe in your life? Do you want to, to lay aside the weight that sometimes besets us physically? Then you've got to put in the work. Do you want to get to heaven? Then you've got to put in the work. It's absolutely worth it. The second command that we would mention this morning that the Hebrew writer gives us here is to run with endurance the race. 
Run with endurance the race. I don't know if you knew this was the sermon you were getting to this morning, losing weight and running, but that's right. The Bible also says you have to run. Now, I even actually heard this comment said in the last couple weeks out here in the lobby one day. Somebody said, if you see me running, you better run too, because I don't run very often. And if I am, something's probably chasing me. Or maybe I like this one a little better. It says, I ran my first 5K this morning. Just kidding, I'm on my third donut. Maybe that's the way that you treat running sometimes. We don't exactly like to think many times about running in our life, but, but the Bible says that we have to run. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul uses this imagery. Not just there, of course, in Hebrews, as many people attribute uh, the writer of Hebrews to Paul, but in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, striving for a crown, running the race. He says, do you not know that those that run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And he goes on to talk about fighting and running and subjecting our body and, and discipline. All of these are things we don't like to think about sometimes, especially not physically, much less spiritually. But Paul makes that application for us so that we can understand what it takes. As well in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 6 through 8, this is the one we maybe know a little, are a little more familiar with. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he talks about that crown. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's right. We have to run. We've got to lay aside the weight, and we've got to run. Sometimes that's not fun for us to think about. Now, of course, the running that we do spiritually does not make our lungs tired or burn the way that we do when we run physically, but it does take work. It does take effort. It does take something on our part. We preach that sometimes to many people, but we don't want to practice it in our own life. It's like the person that, that you know, continues to put off exercising, continues to put off exercising until it's too late, or continues to put it off and continues to put it off and just says, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later. When there's a more convenient time for me, I'll get to it later. We have to lose the weight. We have to run the race. It's not always easy, but it certainly is worth it. But the writer of Hebrews doesn't give us these commands or these things that we are to do without going on and giving us the guides, the encouragement, the blessings, if you will, as we think about losing weight and running the race. The first one is the great cloud of witnesses. If you recall, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 comes right after Hebrews chapter 11. Why is Hebrews chapter 11 even there? Why is it included in the Bible? Because we can learn from the examples of those who are included in the hall of faith or the hall of fame of the faithful, however you want to refer to it as, we're to learn from these examples. Notice as he says there in verse number one, therefore we also, this transition into the same thought, this continuation, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we need to learn from these examples. We need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened. We need to be uplifted. 
I'm not trying to say this to say exactly that there's a bunch of, even as we would call spirits or ghosts that are, that are floating above us, watching down on us. It's not necessarily that way when we think about what the Bible has to say. But, but this great cloud of witnesses are those that have gone on before and done the faithful things. We think of this idea of a great many people who are cheering us on. Now, if you notice the last comment there on the slide, this is a lesson that I presented about four years ago. And as I was going through it again and kind of cleaning up some of the slides and making a few changes, I found this note. And I didn't want to take it out because of the application that was there. I presented this lesson not long after the bombings that took place around the Boston Marathon there. If you remember what happened then and, and you remember those events, we recall that those bombs were placed at the finish line among those great cloud of witnesses that were there cheering those people on. That was where the most people would be conglomerated and be together. That was where the largest crowd would be with that group of people on either side of the road standing there cheering on the runners. That was where they tried to attack the people on that day. When we think about the great cloud of witnesses that are continuing to encourage us, they're there. These examples found in Hebrews chapter 11 are there. And we read about several other verses that can encourage us as well. 3 John in verse 4 says, I have no greater joy, John says, than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my brothers and sisters are being encouraged, that there's something else good going on in the world or among those in the church. We take encouragement, even today, from those that would do good things and encourage those around them. As well as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-11. through 11. We won't take the whole time to read this passage, but if you turn and you notice there... This is a continuation, or excuse me, maybe not a continuation, but another listing of some Old Testament things that would encourage us. And even going on down to verse number 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. We have a great cloud of witnesses that are encouraging us. I've not been beaten yet for my faith i've not been put in prison yet for my faith i can't exactly look at paul and connect with everything that he went through but i can imagine those things i can think about what he was willing to do for jesus christ to serve god i can think about all those other examples in hebrews chapter 11 of those who would leave home of those who would forsake family i can look at all of those people and be encouraged that if they can do it and they're cheering me on in that sense, then I can do it as well. We have this great cloud of witnesses that is encouraging us. Are we to lay aside the weight and run the race? Yes. Can that be difficult? Absolutely. But with this great cloud of witnesses and those that would encourage us along the way, we can take those steps. Just as you can pay a good sum of money these days to hire a personal trainer, someone that will, will yell at you and scream at you and push you to do better as you exercise, we have those that would encourage us as well. And we need to take advantage of that. But the second thing, the second guide that the Hebrew writer gives us there at the beginning of verse number two, we are to lay aside the weight, run with race, the, uh, endurance the race, looking unto Jesus. The other guide that we have is that we are to look 
unto Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. As we read in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13, He is all we need. Sometimes we we get wrapped up in that. We've been talking in our adult class over here on Sunday morning about love and the emotion of love. And we get wrapped up sometimes in that that feel-good emotion with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or a significant other. But when we think about love, true biblical love, we think about the love that Jesus showed. He is our everything. He is our all, as we sometimes sing. He is the beginning and the end. Even as the Hebrew writer goes on to say there, He is the originator and the perfecter. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That is who our eyes should be on. Again, when you think about running the race, sometimes we get encouragement from people. Some people say, keep the main thing the main thing. We've already talked about that already this year as well. Some people say, keep your eyes on the prize. Put on your blinders. Don't look at everything else around you. Or or don't look down. All of these things can be encouragement for us when we're striving for something. We think about sports a lot. And again, Paul talks about fighting and running and those kinds of things. We think about a team working together. We think about looking towards the goal. Say, don't worry about everything around you. Look unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. Not only is He the beginning and the end, the the author and finisher of our faith, but He is the way, the truth, and the life. As He says there in John 14, 1-6, encouraging those who are gathered there. And even as the psalmist says in Psalm 25 and verse 15, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, that's where I'm looking. That's what I am focused on. And even in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Stay focused. We don't just have to lay aside the weight and run the race and just hope it works out. We don't have to just do our best with, with no one to help us. We are to look unto Jesus. Because He will encourage us. He will help us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He will give us peace and rest. If you've got your Bible, you might look in John chapter 6. One final passage here and the lesson will be yours. John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. Again, for our time this morning, we won't read all of this, but you may remember the occasion where Jesus is is asking about things here and, and He's asking questions. And in verse number 66, the Bible says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Those who knew him left him. Those who knew him left him. And you see, we say sometimes, he's not with me. He's not here in front of me. I can't put my hands on him. I can't see him in that way. He was there. John chapter 6, he's standing right there. And yet those who knew him left him. And of course, he he says there in verse 67 to the 12, do you also want to go away? And Peter answered him and said, where are we going to go? There's nowhere else to go. There's no one else who is the way, the truth, and the life, even though Jesus hadn't said that yet. There's no one else who will give us rest. There's no one else who has the answers but you. Peter answers and says to him, you have the words of eternal life. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the place to go. We want to be with you. This morning as we think about losing weight, 
And of course, losing sin, the Hebrew writer tells us that we are to lay aside the weight and the sin and run the race. But it doesn't leave it at that. I can stand here today and tell you you need to lose weight maybe physically and not tell you anything else. Not tell you how, how you can do it. Not give you any tips. Not, not show you any work on my part. Not, not do anything. That's going to be worthless to you. But the Hebrew writer says, lose the weight, run the race. But remember the great cloud of witnesses that are encouraging you along the way. Those who have already done the same thing. And look unto Jesus. Remember Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Him. Because that's what you need. That's where the answers are. So many times we do get wrapped up in the things of this world. So many times we get wrapped up in what we do here in this congregation. We get wrapped up sometimes even in our traditions and the things that that we do in practice. If we would remember Jesus and look unto him, then we can lay aside the weight and run the race. The question comes to you here at the end of the lesson. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to put in the work? Will you do so by looking into the great cloud of witnesses and looking unto Jesus? Because if you will, then then you can do it. See, God doesn't expect anything out of us that, that we can't do. He only lays before us the things that we are able to accomplish. We can do it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it will be worth it. It doesn't mean it's just going to come naturally. It doesn't mean that we can just sit back and do nothing, but we can do it. We can receive the prize. We can gain the reward, but only with living faithfully. As we conclude our lesson this morning, the question comes to you as well. If you are here and you are not a child of God this morning, will you become a Christian? God has a simple plan of salvation. Again, simple to understand, not always easy to follow. Because there are things that get in the way in our mind. and We worry about our family or our friends or our own pride. We won't go through with the things that are necessary. We won't become obedient unto Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a child of God. You've not been baptized for the remission of your sins. We would encourage you to do that this morning. And we would gladly study with you, even this day, to help you understand that great commitment. And of course, it continues on, even after the Lord adds you to His church, by living faithfully. And that's sometimes hard. Just as it is sometimes when we lose the weight, physically, and then we put it back on. Sometimes we become a Christian, and almost all the time, for many of us, we can say, we became a Christian But then we went back. We went back to the world. We turn away from God. And then the question becomes, will you turn back to Him? Will you be restored to your proper place in the family of God? As we think this week about Thanksgiving, as we think this week about family, we're thankful for our physical family. We're thankful for our spiritual family as well. We're thankful to God that He made a way of salvation. We're thankful that He loved us enough to send His only begotten Son. And all He asks on our part is that we become obedient. We obey the simple commands of the gospel, we live faithfully, we lay aside the sin, we lay aside the weight, and we run the race. But we're thankful that God has made a way of encouragement for us. It's why we will be singing to encourage you, if you need to become a Christian or come back to Him, you can make a change, even now as we stand together and as we sing.